Welcome to episode three of the One Golden Moment podcast. Here with my boy Justice, discussing everything that's happened in the Cal basketball world since about a month ago. So, we got a lot to cover, a lot to talk about. MJ, hit that beat. Welcome to episode number three of One Golden Moment Podcast. Now, you'll notice that it's been, what, two, three weeks since our last podcast? Feels like two or three years. You know, Michael Jordan back in the day, like, when he got, when he was, when he was sick, you know, he could play through it, but, you know, that playing basketball is one thing, talking about basketball is another. It, yeah, it's, which is harder. Yeah. Talking is way harder than playing in the NBA. Yeah, talking, definitively talking is uh, harder than playing. It takes the, more skill. Playing the actual sport of basketball. But Ask anyone. Anyway, we got some Cal basketball to talk about. Since we've last hopped on a pod, they've played six games. Cal currently sits at five and six on the season. Yeah. Before we get into any segments, we're just going to run through all that's happened over the past couple weeks because a lot has happened over the past couple a weeks. A lot. We just need to we need to contextualize yeah. everything. You can't just jump. It's just like stats. You need to contextualize everything. So, the the last game we covered was the Santa Clara game. That game was actually, looking back on it, it was a little too close for comfort. A little too close. A little too close. A lot for of comfort. these wins have been a little too close for comfort, to be honest. Let's run through these games. So, right. first game up on the docket: St. Mary's at St. Mary's at McKeon Pavilion. That game didn't happen. Same day as a big game. No yeah. one remembers. <laughs> yeah, Just when everybody was... Recu- put that under the rug. <laughs> when everyone happen. was recuperating from the from the, yeah. the loss to Stanford, there was actually a basketball game that happened that 15 minutes down the road. That was a fever dream. I don't know. <laughs> but a, an 84-71 to loss. They followed that uh, loss up with a pretty brutal loss to San Francisco the at worst. home. Their only home loss of the season thus far, 79-60. to Pretty rough offensive night. Shot 38% from the field. Then they followed up with one of the more statement wins of the Viking Jones era, an 89-83 win at Shocking. Home. Matt Bradley hits a game winner from the left wing in his first game coming off the bench as well. I think that's yeah. that's worth noting. They follow that up with a very, not eh, I don't know how you want to describe it. It wasn't a comfortable win. It wasn't the sort of, it was another game winner. This one by Paris Austin, a little shake and bake at the top of the key, but... You didn't expect us to go down the wire with Cal Poly. Yeah, it wasn't a, a game. Kind of like Santa Clara. Same like, thing. Eh, what's going on? Uh, after that Cal Poly game, Cal travels three miles south to Fresno State, where I actually traveled down to Fresno for that game. Yeah. One of the two people actually reporting from the Cal perspective. If you don't count the one person there from AP, I was the only Cal representative. <laughs> a 95-73 loss. 28 personal fouls. That's tied for the most in the Viking Jones era. Somehow worse than the score, right? That was just... Yeah. Like, you look at the the personal foul disparity, and you look at the, the how Fresno State shot 38 free throws, Ooh. and you think this could have easily been a game where like they scored like 100 and just eclipsed that century mark. Yeah. But then they follow it up with a win over San Jose State. Last night, we were both there, 88-80, to 80, a 20-5 to 5 assist to turnover ratio. Probably the best that we've seen. That's since, the since lowest turnover rate we've had this year, right? Yeah, fewest yeah. turnovers this year, most assists this year. Yeah. Pretty pretty ball movement. It did come against San Jose State, so <laughs> you might have to take that no, one. we with, don't need to mention with that. With a little grain of salt, they were ranked 321st heading into the game via a Ken Palm. So, Shout out Ken Palm. So take that as you may. It was also 
uh, some loss in the scrum, you know, you're not going to see this in the stat sheet or any of the notes, but my photography debut. Yes. If, if you check out Rory's uh, recap whenever it goes up, please, that, please do. You're going to notice please Justice Dela Santos slash staff right next to an article written by yeah. the marvelous Rory O'Toole. Yeah. Getting to the news of the week, Viking Jones switches up the starting lineup for the first time, and instead of going with the typical. Paris Austin, Darius McNeil, Matt Bradley, Justice Suing, and Andre Kelly. Takes Matt Bradley out of the starting lineup mm-hmm. and goes with a two-big lineup. Connor Vanover starts in two of those games, and Grant Atasevich starts in the other two. The reason that Grant Atasevich started in those other two, as opposed to Connor, who had been playing well, was because... How, how do we describe... It was a pretty ugly injury, let's, let's just be Yeah, honest. he... Uh... Got hit in the nose on a loose ball. Yeah, you got to you got to admit some blood on the floor. He was going for it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta admire the hustle. Yeah, there. he's in concussion protocol right now though, yeah. and everything. He he's, did suffer uh, a a broken nose and a concussion against Cal Poly, uh, and it was right in the middle of what was a career game. Yeah, he was gonna go off for I don't know. It looked like he might have 14, 16 points. Yeah. He had seven, seven like points in about minutes. eleven minutes. Yeah. So speaking of that, I just want to touch on a couple of the the career highs that happened Mm -hmm. since the last time we recorded a podcast. A lot of career highs, mainly from the freshmen. Uh, Matt Bradley, 16 points against San Jose State. Andre Kelly with his first double-double, 19 points against San Jose State. Paris Austin with 11 assists against San Jose State. So just no fun for San Jose State. No. And then the aforementioned Connor. Sad's game. Connor with the 7 points against Cal Poly. He did have 2 rebounds as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And the breakout game, the most shocking career high of all of these, Grant Antasevich, 13 yes. points and 6 rebounds Woo! against San Jose State. Confident shooter. You know, someone who, had, good. someone who hadn't taken that many shots, hadn't played that many minutes, came into this San Jose State game, guns a-blazing, and honestly... It's that Aussie confidence. That Aussie confidence. Yeah. And if he, if he wasn't in that swag. game, if he didn't play that well, this like that San Jose State game is probably flipping the other way. Mm-hmm. So... We're five and six going into the Seattle game. That's going to be their last non-conference game. Don't sleep on Seattle, apparently. Yeah, Seattle with an eleven and three record That's heading shocked. into that game. They did beat Washington State, albeit a Washington State team <laughs> that did not have one Robert Franks Jr., someone who I consider to be a dark horse candidate for Pac-12 Player of the Year. If he can, Ooh. if that Washington State team can somehow get 10, 11, 12 wins. Despite how bad that team is, I could see him getting like garnering some votes, and like yeah, I see him going. I don't know about round. winning it though. If your know, team's yeah. that bad. That's one thing to I win it, know. but I can definitely see him being in that conversation. Yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, we talked about the the state of affairs of the Pac-12 before mm-hmm. this podcast, and it's we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But the first segment we we sort of want to touch on, and I've been talking a lot, so I'm gonna pass this one off to Rory. But who is this team? Who you know, is this team? You know, we've we've gone back and forth a lot about what this team is. You know, are they? We see flashes on one night. You know, the San Diego State win. Mm. Everything's clicking on offense, and then you see a game like Fresno State, albeit a road game in a mm. very tough road environment. Very but tough environment. I would consider that their first true road game because the St. Mary's game it was a tough environment, but you know, fifteen minutes down the road, and it didn't happen. <laughs> like I said, didn't happen. Yeah, according to Royal, doesn't exist. <laughs> This Cal's is not record, real. Cal's record on the season is really yeah. five and five, but I'm gonna pass this one off to you. Who do you think this you know, team is? This team, I think this team is a young team, and as young teams try to do or typically are, 
they're very inconsistent. They're kind of figuring things out. And you may see flashes here or there of, wow, this team might actually be something. And then the next moment, you're like, no one knows what they're doing. So I think this is going to be a trend going forward. And honestly, that's kind of this team's identity is just trying to figure it out. Be young team. You're still trying to figure out who's what everyone's roles are, who can do what, who cannot do what. So I think that's just that's what this team is, honestly. It's just a young team really trying to find its identity. And in that process, there's going to be a lot of inconsistency. And you consider we're only 11 games into the season. We have seen some bright spots. You know, I just listed off all those career highs. And, like, yeah. granted, these are freshmen, so every season high is a career high. Uh-huh. But you see, like, you see, you sort of see the potential with, every, with almost every player that's on the floor, you know. You see, they all have with, skill. They all definitely have skill. You know, whether it be Andre or Vanover, it, it's sort of like on a, an any given Gordon, type shout of out Gordon, it's my guy. So, this is sort of the epiphany that I came to yesterday when we were, um, you know, this was after that we after the San Jose State game after we went to Gypsies on Durant. Shout out to Gypsies. Shout out shout to the Bronx. Out Gypsies, <laughs> shout honestly. out to the Bronx Tale. They didn't have bread though. Yeah, they did big, not have. They didn't big have bread, miss, bro. They usually give you a fat slice of garlic bread. It was pretty disappointing, you know. Just to, what are you supposed to do with all that sauce without the bread? Had a, just a huge plate of sauce left over, and I was thinking this would have been perfect for just some yeah. leftover bread. But a shame. as I was driving home from the game yesterday, I had a I had a little epiphany. You know, you look at this roster right now, and you see Suing, McNeil, and Harris Dyson. They're all sophomores. Mm-hmm. Vanover, Gordon, Bradley, and Kelly. They're all freshmen. Mm-hmm. You know, ve- this is objectively a very young team. Paris Austin is the only upperclassman rotation player. Yeah. But then I started to think, maybe it's not about this season. Maybe, it may not even be about next season. Think about this team potentially. I believe it was... I believe the 2021 season. Think about let's let's go a little into the future. You know mm-hmm. when when you're the next Bill Simmons writing those podcasts, and I'm covering <laughs> I'm covering the Seattle Sonics. Yes. Suing wow. Mc, Suing McNeil and, and Harris Dyson are all seniors. In that in this hype, assuming all things stay the same, they're seniors. Gordon Vanover, Kelly, and Bradley they're all juniors. And then you add like next year's class isn't super star studded, but it does the, give them some big man depth. It give them, gives them some guard depth, and the recruiting season isn't even over yet. Like they could still add, and there's always and transfers. There's always transfers as well, mm-hmm. so you could still add a couple more pieces to this team. And we don't know who the coach is going to be a couple years down the line, <laughs> heading into that 2021 season. A lot of things can change, but if you're a recruit mm-hmm. and you see a very veteran team, a team that's been together for three seasons. A core that's been together for three seasons. Culture. If you're, if you're a four-star or a five-star, there's a point when you you maybe you don't look at this team now as a as a desirable team just because they're super young and they're still trying to figure everything out. But if you're a four-star or a five-star, you see that super experienced team. They know how to play together. Mm-hmm. They have shooting. They have experience. They have depth. That's not the worst sales pitch in the world. Like yes, you have the the star-studded teams of the Pac-12, USC, UCLA, Arizona, Oregon. But a lot of those teams have sort of began to embrace that sort of one-and-done, two-and-done model. Yeah. And you don't see a lot of four-year college teams. That's why one of my favorite college teams in the Pac-12 right now is Washington, just because they've managed to keep mm. everything together. And there's that continuity. Wow. So That's our, that's our selling point. 
in the future potentially. Yeah, not a lot of teams can go on that. No. Yeah, I mean, I think this team has a lot of good pieces that could be really interesting in the future and could surprise people in the future. I think you know, be a dark horse pick to contend in the Pac-12 maybe a couple seasons from now. And you might not. And this, a lot of this, just does. It does depend on whether or not you know there's like a develop like there's a developmental like mm-hmm. phase over these next couple seasons but but based on what we've seen from Kelly, Bradley, Gordon, Vanover, all these just freshmen and how impressive they've been in limited play and again how they're just still getting used to the flow of college yeah. basketball especially with someone you know I've talked about this ad nauseum and written about it ad nauseum but how Kelly I feel like he's only used maybe like 70% of his overall skill set you know we still have yet to see him like lead, lead a break, we've still only seen him shoot two threes. We see we see him hitting a little couple mid ranges now, but you know he's just that not. spin move though. And the, the every patented, game he's the got the little Andre spin move. Kelly spin move. Get that in your scouting report, honestly. And then, and then imagine like a lineup where you have Kelly and Vanover, and they decided to go. You have two pick and pop options right there. Yeah. Combining that with the slashes you do have, you know, give this team a little time to, you know, get in the gym over a summer give them a full off season to work together now you got something where it's this team like later down the line could potentially yeah. make some noise I think so I mean that's a good safe pick I think for the future I mean that's I put smart money in that honestly that's uh they're building something I think I'm uh, I'm I'm optimistic about Kelly and Vanover and even Gordon developing in the future and Bradley of course so We'll see. If you were a five-star... Okay, one of the five-stars that... I, I talk about him a lot, Jordan Brown, who decided to choose mm. Nevada over Arizona and Cal. Now, let, let's say you're somewhat of a, a Jordan Brown Broke caliber. Like not one of the, the star-studded five-stars, but like a really solid five-star that can like two years or three years in college and like be an NBA prospect. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine like heading into that 2021 season. You see this team with seven upperclassmen and a couple and a pretty deep team. If you're a five-star, do you legitimately consider Cal? Now, granted, you also have to consider the Dukes, Kansases, the everybody else's of the world. Well, yeah. But Pre- do you think- I think it'd have to be someone from California, honestly. That would be the local factor, you know, would have to play into it because I don't see anyone choosing Cal if you're from... I mean, maybe. Jalen Brown did from Atlanta, but... Um... I mean, yeah, I, I'd bet on it being someone from California, somewhere on the West Coast, kind of being like, you know what, I like staying home, and I like what this team's building. Next time we're at. Yeah. Maybe maybe we've got another Oakland product on the way. Yeah, you don't know. Keep an eye out. Keep you an eye out. never know. Yeah. But, Rory, as you know, we're not covering the future. Unfortunately. We're, co- we're covering this year. The 2018-19 season, a, a Cal team that, as we mentioned, currently 5-6 and six on the season. Yeah. And in the beginning of the season, I believe on the first podcast, I mentioned that a successful season might be, you know, 11, 12, maybe 13 wins if they're optimistic. But we've seen a couple of these games live. We've seen some of them on television. And we've been kind of grappling with this idea of what's this, how many wins is this team going to end up with? Mm-hmm. And I mentioned, I texted you before this and I said, there were, there's going to be a stat that's going to, I want to get your reaction on this. Yes. I looked through every single matchup on ESPN's match predictor for the rest of the season, 
including the non-conference game against Seattle. This includes home games. This includes games against Washington State, you know, a team with a, a couple Juco players. Okay. Cal is favored in zero of those games. No home zero. games. Zero. No home games. There's a lot of games Do where... Do I hear the uh, nobody believes in us? I think there's a lot of nobody believes in us right now. Yeah. There's a lot of games where there's a 5% chance of, like, where ESPN lists them as a 5% chance of winning, if that. A lot of 95% for, like, Washington, especially those road games. Like, the road games are, granted, going to be... I can believe that. Yeah, but the home games, though... So, with that being said, we also have to mention that the Pac-12 as a whole has not been living up to the name of Conference of Champions. You know, Oregon yesterday lost to Baylor. They didn't even crack 50. USC got taken to double overtime by Santa Clara and then got smacked by TCU. Shocking. A lot of... This is, this is just the tip of the iceberg with how rough of a season it's been for the Pac-12. What was that stat? Um, how many guys we've lost to? Below 200, according there to was a stat. It was... That was a crazy stat. I believe it was uh, the Pac-12... Has lost to four. It's six days before Christmas, and the Pac-12 has more sub-200 Ken Palm losses. Four than top 50 Ken Palm wins. Three. It's a rough season. Shout out to Jeff Jeff Eisenberg. Shout out to Jeff Eisenberg. My God. That's bad, folks. That is really bad. And this was a conference where we had three teams that were ranked in the top 25 to begin the season, Oregon, UCLA, and Washington. And we might go into conference play with zero teams in the top 25. Jeez. Which, you know, I've only been covering the Cal for two years, and by extension the Pac-12 for only two years, but I think you'd have to go pretty far back to find a year that's yeah. been this rough for Might have to go Pac-12. back to the Pac-10. Ooh. <laughs> Make 12, Pac-12, Pac-10 again, honestly. That's what's happening here. So I bring up the, the, the state of the Pac-12 mm. in conjunction with the final win total. So we're at five right now. Last year, Cal only won eight games, final record of eight and 24. How do you see the rest of this season shaking out, and how, what do you see them ending with based on what you've seen so far? Um, I, I'm in the middle between the ESPN cynicism and the optimism of Oski. The optimism um, of Oski. <laughs> I'm going to say we have some sneaky wins at home. And you know what? USC, I got, I got USC pinned, honestly. I think we upset USC in LA. In LA? In LA. That's my, that's my take. USC is broken psychologically spiritually as a team there is no team at USC right now the FBI is down their necks we're, we're ready bro we're coming for the bag men we're coming for everyone on USC yeah that's happening we won at USC in football it's gonna happen in basketball you're putting now. this on wax that cow yes when they travel down you're gonna to be USC, there I'm gonna be I, for all for we're all, gonna get the live report yeah if you I'm gonna be traveling you're down here to first to USC and UCLA for those two games. I'm going to be there for that game, and I'm I'm excited just for the fact that I'm going to be going to this arena. But you're calling the upset. Yes. And this is a team with two potential, like two players in Kevin Porter Jr. Kevin Porter Jr. who can go to the lottery, and Benny Boatwright who could be a second-round pick. You have them. Not a team. Individuals. 
Not a team. We need to get a soundboard. I need to get. If you lose to Santa Clara, I have no belief in you. (laughs) I have zero belief in you. Double OT. Come on. Oh man, that's shameful. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Rory O'Toole, the hot take machine himself. Pin it to me. Cal over USC. He's putting it on wax. I'm putting it on wax. I think we should just go through this schedule. Let's see. Let's see who like who would Cal realistically have a shot at beating. Wazoo's definitely one of those. So UC, UCLA, UCLA is another team where it's... I could see it. You could see it at UCLA as well. We were talking about I don't this. think Steve Alford's sleeping right now. He might just go out there and throw out the weirdest lineup ever because this man is under tremendous stress. Everyone wants that job. Fred Hoiberg. The must be creeping around. The must, must bus. bus. He knows it's over. A man in a desperate situation. We don't know... Yeah, UCLA is coming. a perfect time to strike. Coming off what? A, it was nearly a thirty-point loss to Cincinnati. Is that at home? Might have been. Might have been at home. And they lost to Belmont. Regardless of whether or not that loss to Cincinnati was at home, that's just. I mean, by thirty. Nearly by thirty. Come on. So, we see. So USC and UCLA. Those are teams. That, those are games that you think they can win. Yeah. Arizona They're State. Both winnable games. Arizona State, I love Dort as a player. Yeah, he has, he has a lot of that dog in him. Yeah, I saw him beating us. almost single-handedly defeat Nevada. I see that yeah, as, that was a, a great, as a great win game. for Arizona State. Arizona, not not in the best condition, you know. Right after the, you know, in the aftermath They're of the They're a FBI, tough matchup for us, though. Yeah, they, I do like Brandon Williams as a point guard. I think he's going to be a really good, like, three-, four-year college player if he decides to stay that long. Yeah. At Washington State... You know, it's always those those road games, especially in college, are always tough to gauge. But if everyone's healthy, that I could honestly see that going either way. Mm. At Washington, no. Yeah, let's just say no. Colorado at home, they're currently eight and one on the season. Yeah, Colorado is sneaky good. You know, McKinley Wright, Tyler Bay, that's a pretty solid core they got over there. But they, granted, they have had a pretty weak strength of schedule up to this point in time. Yeah. So, it's not exactly an Arizona State situation where we got to see how that plays out, but we definitely got to see what they can do in conference play. Mm-hmm. Utah at home. Utah has been. They've been. They're only six and five. Yeah, their offense has a lot to be desired, especially after a lot of their core left last season. Versus Stanford at home, Cal did play Stanford well twice out of the three times they played them. They're gonna be at USF. I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Be interested as well. Yeah. At Oregon and at Oregon State, again. Oof. It really depends on where Oregon's at. You know, I think... Yeah, Oregon, what's up with them? You know, Bobo has the foot injury, and... I don't know, Peyton Pritchard... Did, I In my That'd preview, a, yeah. I, I said he could potentially be a, a Pac-12 Player of the Year candidate, and he's yeah. kind of wavered off a little bit. It's weird. Oregon State, the Thompson brothers, and Tress Tinkle. I really like that trio. I think Tress Tinkle could honestly be in that mm. Player of the Year conversation as well. UCLA and USC at home. Again, if you're saying you can beat them, if Cal can beat them on the road, I'm assuming that extends to at home as well. Yes. At Arizona, at Arizona State, again, those are going to be rough road environments. Washington and Washington State at home. Washington State at home, I'll take it. Yeah, that definitely seems like... So how many wins are we up to right now? So I called USC... 
Whoever's listening, please rewind and tell us. We're going to split the LA road trip. No way we win both games. So you're calling it possible. So you got them winning at least one of the USC and UCLA. So based on what you're saying, okay, what about the Seattle game? Because that's like the next game they have up. You know, initially I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to beat Seattle. I mean, it's Seattle U. But as I delved in, I'm actually a little nervous. I don't know. It's like a 55-45 in terms of that matchup predictor going towards Seattle as of right now. Yeah, I think I actually might pick Seattle. But I really haven't seen any of their game tape, so I'm not confident in that prediction, but I'm not confident in saying we're going to win either. So, Just considering the way that they played against San Diego State, that does give me some confidence that they can pl- sort of play up to their competition in that way. Yeah. Yeah, so, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's a winnable game. It's a winnable game, but not a done deal. So we kind of just went through their schedule and did a whole bunch of nothing in terms of actually having a definitive number. <laughs> so I'm going to say we might get close to 12. We might get close to 12. Do you see us winning at least 10? Because yeah. if assuming that they lose to Yeah, I'm going to say we win 10. So that means they have to win five games in conference after winning yeah. two all. But like we said, this conference is garbage. Okay, it's, this conference is honestly it's terrible. Roy with the hot take machine. That's not even a hot take. Look at the stats, folks. <laughs> Look at the stats. This is a terrible, terrible team. We might get one team in the tournament. That's that's not like crazy to think about. So that's a, it's, this conference is awful. If there's any year where you're gonna win some games that otherwise you want it. I'm going to I don't know. I'm going to say we get 10 wins. I'm going to be optimistic Oski. Optimistic Oski in the building. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get Oski in the Oski on the pot. He can do We his. know Josh says that the worst thing a Cal fan can have is hope, but I'm going to do that. I dare to hope. The audacity of hope. <laughs> yeah, I'm I was really high on the Pac-12 as a whole coming into this season. Were you really? I wasn't wasn't necessarily like there's going to be like four teams that go to the Sweet 16. Yeah. But I was definitely thought there's a lot of talent. There's especially like Washington retained a lot of their players. Mm -hmm. Oregon, UCLA, just a lot of just talent. Mm -hmm. And then maybe even in Arizona, maybe even a USC, even like Arizona State. But like the only team that's even like met expectations and exceeded them is Arizona State and we saw what happened last year as well were they the last undefeated team in the nation and then they just faltered off weren't they number one at one point I don't know if they were and then like were a bubble team in the tournament like didn't they lose they lost to Buffalo in like the first four did they I thought they lost to Syracuse oh Syracuse I'm thinking of Arizona someone fact check us Arizona definitely lost to Buffalo one of the most hilarious games I believe it was Arizona that lost I don't feel pride in Arizona this is Pac-12. I just Arizona is so unlikable, especially in the the wake of the whole FBI investigation. You're not just feel you're not feeling Arizona. Yeah, Sean, he sweats too much. It's just it's a problem. Managed to get Josh Green and uh, Nico yeah, Mannion, two five stars, right is, after uh, the fi- right after the FBI investigation. Weird flex, but okay, <laughs> it's all right. So we're about at the. Actually, talked a lot more than I thought we would about these two subjects. We were going to talk about we've we've totally lost the audience. They're like, we don't want to hear this. God. So let's let's talk a little bit about action. Let's just cover 
some some more logistical things in terms of mm-hmm. um, Cal's play, you know, because I feel like at one point if we hit the thirty-five minute mark, they're just gonna we're not even gonna get a, an outro. They're just gonna cut us off in the middle no, of it. Yeah. But two things that I wanted to touch on: three-point shooting, one of them. The three-point you're, you're shooting. The hot, you're the hot take machine. Are there, is Cal the Houston Rockets of the Pac-12? Hot take. Jake, you guys, I'm joking. We're definitely not. <laughs> but we are shooting really well. We haven't. Cal has been shooting considerably more three. Are we leading the conference year. right now? I just checked the stats before we hopped on this podcast. Cal is currently leading the Pac-12 in three-point percentage at a clip of the whole season. We have. Uh, yeah, at, leading been up a to this season-long thing. Yeah. yeah. At a clip of 38.4 percent, 76 makes on 198 attempts. Granted. In comparison to the rest of the Pac-12, they're not taking that many threes, but when they do no. take them, they make them. We did take 31 last night against San Jose yeah. State, which was a season high. Cal's been sort of just, and they've been letting it fly a lot more, and it's sort of clear in the personnel. Like, last year you see Don Coleman wasn't all that efficient from three. Mm-hmm. Marcus Lee and Kingsley Okoro wouldn't take threes. <laughs> you know, Jawan, he just wouldn't shoot threes either. The mm-hmm. only really consistent three-pointer, three-point shooters you had were Justice and Darius. and Darius. And even Justice was kind of, like, some nights he had it, sometimes he, some nights he didn't. Very streaky. But you look at this team, you have, now you have Darius, Justice, you have Bradley, mm-hmm. Gordon, Vanover, Kelly on occasion, even Paris Austin's a lot more willing Oof. to take that three-pointer. And uh, they're certainly giving it to him. They you made one. You made one last night. Didn't look good, but it went in. Even if he just attempts those shots, like I said in the previous podcast, it just allows them the opportunity to space the floor. Yeah. And especially with when you have someone like him who's prim- who's primarily going to get to the bucket. And Grant can shoot as well. Grant can shoot as well. Yeah. And so, so you see, it's more apparent this season that this is a team that's willing to t- not necessarily live and die by the three, but in a game like San Jose State or even Cal Was Cal Poly, did they run a zone against Cal Poly? Yeah, Cal Poly ran a zone against us. We were, I mean, we've been zoned a few times this season and. You know, I feel like that might be a trend going forward because, I mean, it's a really easy way to defend us. So we're going to have to shoot our way out of it a little bit. We're also undersized. So to stay in games, to go to L.A. when we beat USC, we're going to have to shoot the three ball well, okay? Um, I mean, that's just the Vanover 7-3. That's our only big dude, you know, really really big man I mean Kelly's what 6'8 yeah so um, yeah we're gonna have to shoot the three well and so far it's worked we have confident shooters I mean they look good like mechanically apart from Paris Austin like everyone seems like a confident shooter speaking of that confidence as I mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast you know Bradley did hit that game winning three he's a great shooter you know he's He's been a fantastic shooter. shooter as well yeah and especially for him to like not be deterred by that being his first game coming off the bench to then hit the biggest shot of the game you know that's something that's where you see a play like that and like when you contextualize everything that's when you see this team can make an improvement from year one to year two of the Viking Jones era Mm -hmm. now currently over the past six games so basically the games that we've covered during this podcast they've shot 21.5 threes per game hit them at a clip of 36% the previous five games 13.8 threes on 42%. Do you see them still shooting 20 a game going forward? Or is this sort of 
been more circumstance than anything. It gets more down to like 17, 18. I think it's both. I mean, we've been playing some crappy teams, to be frank. So, I mean, you're going to kind of get three happy when you feel like you're playing someone that you're a lot better than. Um, but I also see it happening going forward. Like I said, I mean, we're really small. We're going to have to shoot. I mean, McNeil's whole offensive identity is tied up in shooting. Bradley likes to shoot the three. Kelly pops out a lot on those pick and rolls. So, I mean, I, I could see him 20, but it might go down to 17. Um, but if we're efficient, I mean, why not shoot them, right? Yeah. Until it's, you know, really bad, we might as well keep chucking them up. Yeah. The biggest thing in terms of those attempts and both that percentage is... This is non this is non conference play, and when you when you do get to conference play, it's an entirely different totally. list. So that's something that I'm definitely going to be keeping like watching out for, and and also quickly McNeil, I think he's leading the Pac-12. Leading the Pac-12 point, in three pointers made. Yeah, twenty six. Fresh off in season. eleven games. So there is some irony in last season. Last season, because uh-huh. McNeil did set the program record for threes made in the season by a freshman. That's right. Mm-hmm. On the worst, on not even just the worst shooting team in the Pac-12, like one of the worst in the entire nation. Wow, I think they were, if I remember right, they were like 349th in three-point percentage in the entire nation out that of 353 schools. It was not. <laughs> wow. So, so that complete big improvement, complete 360 yeah. from last year. You know, go, going into this season, my thing was, can they hit threes at a like? Can they hit like 30? Can they just get to 30? Just be serviceable. But to jump from not even 30% to 38 to being one of the best three-point shooting teams in the entire nation. a great trend. Yeah. It's pretty amazing, actually. Best place to go. Nowhere to go but up. Yeah. Now, just to finish everything up, we did want to introduce a little new segment. We're gonna, And since we are at the 34-minute mark, we should probably run Sorry. through this quick. Sorry, whoever has to edit this. Yeah. Uh, let's go. Player of... Not of the week of the podcast because it's been multiple weeks. I'll let you go first. You know, I'm a man of the people, and Paris Austin Paris is Austin. from the Bay Area. Oakland Zone. The people's zone. The people's legend. He's been great. Uh, I think he's Vikings' favorite player. He trusts him the most. He's our senior. And he's been having some great games. He had a game winner against Cal Poly. Nasty crossover pull-up. Uh, that was a bit of a legendary moment. Then he dropped 20 in that terrible Fresno State loss, but, hey, he still dropped 20. And then he had a career-high 11 assists, which we mentioned beforehand um, last night. And he's just been a really great presence for this Cal team. I feel like he's a good foundational piece, and he makes the young guys feel comfortable because he's always distributing. He always has his head up, always looking for the open man. He's been great, and the defensive end, he's been pretty, pretty good on ball defense as well. So, that shout out Paris Austin, and like we mentioned at the beginning, you know, career high eleven assists against San Diego, yeah, or San Jose State, on and on no turnovers, some alley oops too, couple so alley oops, did it with some style. For me, I think I've been kind of going back and forth, you know, since we were talking about this. Mm-hmm. Do I go with my namesake and go Justice Suing, or do I go it's tough. the young blood and Andre Kelly? And I think I gotta That's go. Gonna be Kelly, right? I think I gotta go Kelly with this. Yeah. You know, last night when we were at the game, career high nineteen points, Titus career high with ten rebounds, first double double. You know, I've talked with a couple, you know, other beat reporters. I'm not, I'm not gonna say no names, 
but some of them feel as if you know later down the line you know in that scenario that I was thinking of that 2021 season this could potentially be a team where you build the offense around Kelly just because his skill set is so versatile yeah you could do I mean he's a jack of all trades he's really Swiss army knife out there so I mean I love Kelly's game he's been my favorite player this season honestly he's just been incredible to watch he has so much poise for a freshman it's like yeah this guy does not rattle at all and then the post game press conference yesterday I one of the reporters asked him about his big night he said you know I, w- I wasn't even tripping off the stats I was just caring about the win and you love to see that's that what you want to hear that's like a that's a winning attitude and, yeah you know for a Cal team that's that hasn't had <laughs> experienced a lot of wins in the past mm-hmm. you know calendar year that's something that you love to see someone that's going you know for the team rather than themselves yeah he's been incredible and he's got great hair He's got a nice <laughs> smile. He's got that spin move that we all love. I mean, the guy, he's got hes got it all. And also wrote a feature about him, so be sure to check that, check out. that out. That being said, <laughs> we're going to cut it off right here. Happy before holidays. I get, before I get yelled at by our amazing managing editor, Chantel Lee. You know, this can't be a, a one golden moment podcast without giving Chantel a shout-out. Shout-out. Shout-out to you. Shout-out to Canada. All of Canada. Yes. With that being said... This has been episode number three of the One Golden Moment Podcast. This has been Justice Del Santos and Rory O'Toole signing off. Peace.